Hey everyone, Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com slash stuff right now and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code stuff and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there, and there's Jerry over there. And uh, this is Stuff You Should Know about barefoot running. Colon. Don't do it. Colon <laughs> says Chuck. Colon. Josh says do it if you want. <laughs> oh, it's just because it's running. It has nothing to do with being barefoot. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, man. I don't know. I'm not a fan of running. I love it. I love walking, but I don't think, I don't know. Have you ever just tried to walk faster? Oh, I walk, exercise, walk super fast. I'm, is... I'm kidding, by the way. Walking fast and running are not the same thing. No, they're not. No. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just a lot of wear on your body. I don't think humans were meant to run like this. Well, and Chuck, you would be running afoul of an entire subgroup of people yeah. who believe that not only humans should be running barefoot, but that we're actually designed to run long distances. Yeah, I think the idea was that we evolved, and this sounds crazy to me, mm-hmm. we evolved to run long distances so we could eventually just outrun animals who got tired before we did. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so if the it's animal... Like, I'm just going to run after this an- boar until Sh- it gets tired. Sure, <laughs> sure. That doesn't right. make sense to you anthropologically? I mean, uh, sure, <laughs> if that's true. Well, that's the thing. It's like... They could also invent spears and bows and arrows, which they did, which probably means they didn't like running after animals. Right. But if you speared an animal, it doesn't mean it's going to drop dead where you speared it. You might have to chase after it. Well, that's when you do the fast walk. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine like Tuk Tuk doing like the sport walking (laughs) over the tundra? Kind of. That'd be kind of nice. It would be. Um, Okay. So we should probably tell everybody what the heck we're talking about in general. I'm talking about running without shoes. Yeah. Or with those minimal, there are different versions of how minimal those shoes get. Yeah. So this, this the whole thing like started this idea of like, hey man, you know those running shoes you got? Chuck them off and just start running barefoot and mm-hmm. you'll be glad that you did. That all started around 2009, 2010. Oh yeah? Yeah. Um, and it is definitely hit its high watermark. It got a lot of press. It was a huge trend in running. Mm-hmm. And then it seems to have kind of crested and waned, and now it's back. But the running world has changed forever because of it. But from what I understand, there's not, like, a lot of people who are barefoot running these days. I don't. I mean, I don't think it has swept the nation. It did for a minute. But there are definitely people who 
adhere to the philosophy of your body will adjust because we were meant to, we ran barefoot for, you know, 80 million years. Right. Well, that's one of the implications of that is that some people suspect not only are you supposed to run barefoot, but that running with shoes, Mm -hmm. including very expensive, highly designed running shoes, Mm -hmm. are actually going to increase your your chances of injury or that wear and tear on your joints. Now, you're better off running barefoot, which sounds totally counterintuitive until you stop and think. They say, hey, man, how long have we been running in running shoes? Right. Or shoes of any kind. I think the oldest shoes that um, have been found were actually found in Oregon. Uh, and they're like 10,400 years old. They're called Fort Rock sandals. They were called Prefontaines. <laughs> right. <laughs> Should we talk a little bit about the history of the running shoe? Obviously not as long as that pretty exhaustive list from Mental Itch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's supposedly the running shoe goes back a couple of hundred years. Yeah, something like that. The, the sneaker, at least, goes back a couple hundred years. Um, I think in 1832, a guy named Wade Webster... It's either Wait or Wyatt, but it's spelled like Wait, W-A-I-T. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll call him Senior Webster. <laughs> he came up with a, a way of attaching a rubber sole to an um, a upper, a shoe, mm-hmm. um, which really kind of changed shoes in general. Like People were like, hey, these shoes are actually going to last, whereas before it was like all leather and they fell apart in the rain really quickly. These rubber soles could really kind of, you know, Take the, take the impact that you put on your body when your foot hits the ground, and they weren't going to come apart because you could really attach them to an upper. Yeah, and um, the word sneakers comes from the fact that they were quiet. They were the first shoes that didn't clip-clop around, mm-hmm. like Jerry's uh, <laughs> elementary school principal shoe she had on last week. Yeah. Uh, so they were sneaks or sneakers because you could sneak around. And I saw that that was invented by the British, but then the British went back to calling their sneakers, I think, plimsolls. That's right. what they call them today is plimsolls. Which were like kids' shoes back then. Right, but we call them sneakers here. And then what we call running shoes, they call trainers. Right. I think they still say trainers, don't they? Yes. So I feel like, yeah, and I think they still say plimsolls. And they still say garage, lift, and flat. Sure, and Lou and Lori and all that. And aluminum and, er, and herbs. Right. The only one I really take issue with is aluminum. Really? It's just wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry, UK, but it's wrong. Even when, like, David Attenborough says it, or Richard Attenborough, or any Attenborough? I'm not saying it doesn't sound pleasant. I'm just saying it's wrong. Okay. Okay? Uh, this was interesting, too. The first, uh, I didn't know that Reebok went back so far. Uh, they were the Bolton Company mm-hmm. initially. Uh, Joseph William Foster was the founder. In 1852, he developed the first running spikes and it sounds like in the 1860s, for like the next decade, running sh- spikes were just sort of shoes with spikes, like regular shoes right. with spikes on them. Yeah, and you would hope that they'd flatten out the end that pressed against your feet, but I suspect that they didn't always, not to your satisfaction. Right. And then, of course, other developments in the 70s, air cushion shoes, uh, and then eventually the uh, the gel insert, or not insert, but the gel cushioned heel. Right. And that was from... ASICs in the 1980s, mm-hmm. and I always thought that was kind of a scam, but apparently uh, close to 30% more displacement of impact than the air technology. Yeah, and the air technology had been invented, I think, a decade or so before. It was NASA, right? Yeah, by a guy named uh, Frank Rudy, 
And um, he worked with Nike to, to add air to the soles so that this compressed gas would distribute the force that you were putting on your shoe make it easier on your joints back upstream. Yeah, but if you if you ask these shoe companies, they're saying that they have developed this technology over the years to help runners. <clears throat> if you asked a skeptic and a barefoot enthusiast, they'll say, man, this running shoe thing is a, just a big marketing money-making scam. Right. Because they what they point to is, okay, the modern running shoe, actually it was New Balance that came up with the modern running shoe in 1960 with their Trackster. Mm -hmm. But most people point to the 70s and Nike's waffle shoe as like the, the birth of the, the running shoe. Yeah, because isn't that when running for exercise kind of really started as a mainstream thing? That's, what I, learned, that's what I learned from Forrest Gump. Oh, really? Was that in Forrest Gump? Oh, yeah. Remember, he just I mean, starts I knew that. running and he inadvertently starts the, the leisure running trend. Oh, I, I I didn't realize he was starting the trend. I mm -hmm. just thought he was running. Right. And then people started being like, what is that guy doing? I'm going to run alongside him. And he ended up starting the running jogging trend. And then moviegoers sat in an audience and thought, why is this even in this dumb, long movie? I like that movie. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You said something bad about it before. I yeah. have yet to see it since then. <laughs> oh, since it came out? No, no, no. Since you, since you put it down. Oh, so in the couple last like, couple of weeks you yeah. haven't seen it? No. All right. Which well, is rare. Maybe don't then. So, But they point to this. They say, okay, from the 70s, um, when we started this running shoe thing, we uh, we – like injuries, running injuries haven't gone down. Right. In some cases, they've increased. And in fact, um, things like uh, shin splints, I believe. Yeah. Um, Plantar fasciitis. Knee injuries. Uh, and a couple other things have actually increased. Mm -hmm. So people are like, well, wait a minute. What is going on here if you stop and think about it? No one was really paying attention to it until 2010 when a guy uh, named Christopher McDougall came out with a book called Born to Run. And it's basically, it makes the, makes the case that like paleo does for dieting, that like we have evolved to be a certain way, to, right. to behave under certain conditions. And our modern world has kind of taken that and co-opted it and made, you know, messed everything up. And as a result, we're suffering from all these maladies. But rather than eating ultra-processed food as the paleo diet whole thing mm -hmm. is based on, this was that these modern running shoes we're running in are actually causing right. injuries. We need to throw our shoes away and just run barefoot and we'll be better off. Yeah, because we have adapted our running to these shoes and we're not even supposed to run and we'll get into the whole uh, I don't want to spoil anything mm. by saying heal first. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But he's saying we have adapted to run a certain way because of running shoes. And this is not how humans or not how the uh, specifically the Tara Humara Indians. He's like, they don't get injured. They've been running barefoot for eons across long distances on all sorts of terrain. Yeah, they um, the Taramara Indians, they uh, Tara Humara. They live in uh, northwestern Mexico, I believe, and they're known for running around barefoot or in, like, sandals that they make from old tires. Yeah. And they they showed up at the Leadville Trail 100, mm -hmm. an ultra-thon, up a mountain peak and back down. They were, like, middle-aged, smoking before and I think during the race, wow. may, possibly drunk on <laughs> corn or, like, some sort of moonshine at uh -huh. the time. Um and we're just passing everybody. Oh, I'm sure. Without like seeing, they didn't stretch, they didn't do anything. And they're passing some of the world's like most finely tuned 
ultra marathoners. Yeah. Like it was nothing, and people were like, "What is going on with these guys? They're not even wearing shoes. What's what's the deal here?" They really kind of kicked things off. They actually. McDougal went and visited them, wrote an article about him, and ended up writing a book on barefoot running based on his his experiences with them. That's awesome. Yeah. Should we take a break? All right. We're taking a break. (laughs) Yes. We'll be right back. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Okay, so this guy, Christopher McDougall, comes around, Born to Run. I've seen it referred to as the most influential running book of all time. And greatest Springsteen album. That's more than... Oh, I wonder if they're related in any way. Uh, let me say this. If ever in his book... He finishes a chapter with "Baby, We Were Born to Run." Then he should be, he should have the pantsuit off of him. Oh, you don't think he should be no. celebrated? Maybe no. kissed lightly on the cheek for a witty Springsteen reference. Sure, he's already stealing his title. Huh. How? <laughs> Come on, as the boss? <laughs> How's he stealing his? Oh, his! Ti- I thought you meant like like his title, like oh, like <laughs> his status title. <laughs> Still, still pretty recent after the new year. Everybody. Christopher McDougal, the boss. <laughs> right. Like, what are you talking about? I've not seen him refer to that. There's only one boss. But think about it. Jim Fix wrote, um, oh, the I can't remember what it was, the actual title was, but it was like he wrote the the book on running. Yeah, I, rem- I remember that. Okay. So The Art of Running, The Joy of Running, one of those two. And um, they're saying that this book was more influential. It just hit at just the right time. But not only did this book hit at just the right time, it came either right before or right after a study came out mm-hmm. that basically said the same thing, that this other guy who's like one of the luminaries of the barefoot running world. Oh, yeah, Daniel Lieberman. Yeah, he's a paleoanthropologist at Harvard, Yeah, which means that he gets listened to when he talks. That's right. But he released this study with some co-authors, I think in 2009 or the beginning of 2010, that basically said, hey, man, 
Um, if you run barefoot, your body is going to suffer far less than if you run in modern running shoes. And it was just a, a perfect timing with this book, Born to Run. And the two together caught the attention of anybody who is into running at a time. And people started literally taking their shoes off and going and running and then hurting themselves pretty quickly. Yeah, and he would point to things like, uh, look, we've got Achilles tendons. we got these big knee joints. We have a big gluteus maximus. Especially me. <laughs> and he's like, we were kind of made to run these distances. Other people say, hey, we have those glutes because um, they're great for squatting and for foraging and pooping, let's mm-hmm. be honest. Sure. And um, hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Sure. And so there are competing theories out there uh, because we don't know exactly for sure. But he basically says the way the human body is put together, we don't need these shoes and we were built to built to run, not born to run. <laughs> right. But the the other idea of this is is, and this is really what he uses to like get people to to buy into it is, like we were we evolved to run this way. Running with shoes is unnatural. Yeah, and it doesn't matter who you are, even if you're super fit, if you're running with running shoes on mm-hmm. and you're a runner. Mm-hmm. You have an 80% chance of getting injured at some point. Eight out of 10 people. Every year, he said. Yep, get injured every single year. And even if you're in, like I said, super great shape and you run all the time. In fact, if you run all the time, you're probably more likely to get injured. Right. Because, again, we didn't evolve to wear super cushiony gel um, shoes. Right. When we run, we were we evolved to run barefoot or maybe in some very thin sandals or something like that, minimalist shoe wear. Um, and he also said, well, some of the other modern problems that we have or some of the other problems that, that just come along with walking around in these shoes, mm-hmm. things like supination, pronation, which I do. What's um, pronation? It's where you're, where if you, when you're walking or oh, running, left or right. you're, the inside of your heel is cur- curved downward. So your shoes eventually, when you look at the uh, sole mm-hmm. and the cushioning, they're worn on one side or the other. Yes. More. Yeah. I think I do that a little bit. I look like I walk like verbal Kent at the end of um, the usual suspects, basically. <laughs> okay. From the looks of my shoes and the wear and tear on them. Yeah, mine mine actually wear a little bit. I think on the outside more than the inside. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that'd be and that's just walking shoes. That's supination. Yeah, they're they're two sides of the same problem, which right. is that your your feet your heel is not landing in line in the same axis with the front. It's mm-hmm. it's tilted. I think there's like three different things going on biomechanically. But what people like um, Christopher McDougall and proponents of barefoot running say is, buddy, that's because you're walking on these padded um, soles right. of shoes that like they're, they're new. They haven't been around for more than for even half of a century yet. We, our feet are not designed to walk like this. Um, and so that's why you're doing this. If you'll stop running in shoes, your, over, your pronation or your supination will actually fix itself. And right. there is some data that that is actually true, that, that, that yeah. those things, biomechanical disorders can be fixed by running or walking barefoot. Other people say, no, if you have a biomechanical disorder like supination or pronation, mm-hmm. you have no business going barefoot. The barefoot proponents say, do not listen to that guy. He's a dork. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then they say, you know, you really don't need to bring name calling into this. Yeah. And they you said, say, whatever, what, dork. Yeah, what would you say, dork? <laughs> Remember in Police Academy where they wrote dork 
on Mauser's chest with um, suntan lotion. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he got a real red burn. Just realized I was reminiscing about Police Academy. Uh, I was just watching. I'm watching the TV show Party Down for the third time now. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's the great. Uh, did you ever see that at all? Still have not. You know, it's a catering company, and mm-hmm. each episode is a different party. And there's one party where they go to Steve Gutenberg's house <laughs> for his birthday party. Right. And he he's like, oh, man, I forgot. Like, we actually had a surprise party uh, my friends threw for me. So there is no birthday party. But he's like, I don't want this to go to waste. Why don't you guys just come in and call your friends? We'll have a party. <laughs> right. So it becomes like a party at the Goot's house. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a really good one. I'll bet that's that's probably how it would go down in real life. He at least seemed like a good guy on this fictional TV show. Sure. <laughs> Who got their start on that show? Uh, I don't know about getting their start. I mean, well, who's on? It starred Adam Scott and Ken Marino and mm-hmm. uh, Jane uh, Jane Lynch. She didn't get her start on it, but she got it pre Glee, and then had to leave the show when she got Glee. Oh, okay. And it was replaced by recent, Megan huh? Mullally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it was like seven or eight years ago. I saw her on an episode of. Um Maybe Law and Order or something like that, like old one. Yeah, and she's like playing serious, like pathologist, showing I think Lenny Briscoe something in somebody's tissue or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, oh, that's Shane Lynch. It was it was like a where she was like, am I a serious actress? Am I a comedic actress? Right. Why not both? Yeah, she was good. Kristen, our buddy Kristen Bell was on it. Martin Starr. Okay, maybe it was it's Kristen Bell. I was like, she didn't get her start though. Was that after Veronica Mars? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, she sort of did a guest a guest starring thing. Gotcha. But it's Ken Marino at his best, and he's like one of my heroes. Martin Starr was on Freaks and Geeks and then later on Silicon Valley, right? Yes. Okay, I love that guy. Yeah, he's great. He actually, since we're already sidetracked, you should at some point try and bring yourself to listen to the Mark Maron episode with Martin Starr. Why would I have any trouble listening to Mark <laughs> Maron? I don't know. Uh, really interesting guy. Martin Starr. I can only imagine. And different than you might think. Oh, really? Is he very yeah. like twee and whimsical? No, he's very intense and uh, heady, spiritual and heady. Oh, yeah? Super smart, yeah. Not that I thought he was dumb, but <laughs> he can he can play that. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> All right. Where were we? Uh, we were talking about barefoot running and how... The, some the people who are proponents say if you throw your shoes away, you will fix all of these modern problems. Yeah. So the idea is that uh, you know your your feet have these nerve endings that will give you feedback when you're making contact with the ground that mm-hmm. you don't get when you're wearing these shoes. Right. And they will tell you how to walk basically, mm-hmm. depending on what what kind of terrain you're on, mm-hmm. and your body adjusts accordingly. And yeah. had for many many years. Right. The other thing that they say is with. Um, without shoes, you actually run differently than you do with shoes. And this seems to be the the genuine article argument for or against barefoot running. And it seems to kind of land in favor of barefoot running, to tell you the truth. So should we talk about the, the old heel first thing? Yeah, heel striking. Yeah, heels, you know, when you run, if someone, because I don't run, but if someone were to, you know, steal something from me <laughs> on the street and I had to run, you would see me take off down the road and you would notice that my heels are striking the ground first and with a pretty great impact. And people like me would see you and be like, that's terrible form. Yeah, and say, you're never going to catch that guy. Just don't even bother. <laughs> so when you run like that, it actually hurts pretty quickly mm-hmm. and you're actually propelling yourself in a weird way backwards. Like when you bring your heel down, 
your foot is up and your heel is actually hitting the ground at a direction opposite the direction that you're trying to go. Yeah, if you like freeze frame that Mm -hmm. for a a kind of a long running stride, that's what it would look like. So just as far as like running form goes, it's not a good way to run. Anybody who runs can tell you that you're not supposed to heel strike, although it feels very natural when you're in shoes. Right. If you take off your shoes and you heel strike, you'll take about two steps and just your head will just explode with pain. (laughs) And your heel. Yeah, because your heel is not made to be run on. Now, if you lean forward mm-hmm. and run on the mid the midfoot or the ball of your feet, mm-hmm. you'll find running barefoot is much more comfortable. And that's what a lot of people who are proponents of barefoot running say is this is how you're supposed to run and this is how barefoot running makes you run. Yeah. When you wear shoes, it's much easier to heel strike. You have to remember yeah. not to do that. Right. Like a sprinter, when you see these Olympic sprinters, they're not heel striking. Right. They're they're pitched forward a bit, and they're running up on the the front or at least the mid of their foot. Mm-hmm. You see how fast they go. I took a running class once. College or? No, no. It was like a, just to learn how to run better. Like oh, a just like out, workshop. In, uh, out in the world? Uh-huh. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, continuing education? Yeah. <laughs> yeah adult ed. <laughs> Uh, night school, I think. Um, and what I was taught was that running is falling forward and catching yourself over and over again. So the whole time you have to go, whoa. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just flail your arms, yeah. basically. Um, but you do that in a controlled manner. Right. Obviously. Uh-huh. Um, but that's it, that, when, when, you, when you learn that and you try it, it forces you to to run on the balls or the midfoot. Midfoot's what I learned is the best way to do it. So you did this to learn like proper technique and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And Look once you. you once you try it, remind yourself that you you can actually feel yourself doing it, and you realize you're in the right form when you feel like there's this slight falling forward sensation. Yeah, you know, the last time I was I did any kind of running was when I was playing softball, mm-hmm. which is all sprinting, mm-hmm. and. Even for a guy with extra pounds, I was I was always pretty quick. Believe yeah. it or not, burst of speed, burst of speed, and I would uh, I would just naturally. Jerry's laughing over there. I would naturally run um, not on my tippy toes, but kind of pretty far forward. Mincy. Yeah, I would mince toward that first base bag. Yeah, go ding 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 ding. Uh huh. And people <laughs> would be like, well, "Do you hear that tinking sound? <laughs> and look how fast that dude is. Is that a rainbow trailing behind him in his wake? Yeah, he looks like he's about to fall over. <laughs> and sometimes I did. Oh, really? No, I'm oh, just kidding. Oh, but I saw other other dudes. You know, this is an old bar guy league, mm-hmm. so um, you can see some pretty funny running and some weird balance issues and sure, sure. guys kind of falling down and right. tripping and clumsy. Because of all the drunkenness. Uh, no, we didn't drink before games, but yeah. Well, what about during? No, I didn't. What about, okay. No, they would go afterward, but I, I didn't socialize with this crowd much. <laughs> you hated them so much. I was just the ace pitcher who would come in and then go home and like ice my elbow. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. You were like the closer? Uh, no, I pitched the whole game. Oh, really? But I was a specialist. I gotcha. Specialist at just winning? Yeah, that was it. All you do is win, win, win. <laughs> That's it. Uh, well, let's take a break, Chuck, because I feel like <laughs> this is so far off the rails, I don't even remember what the topic is. All right, let's do it. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. 
Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. So what is the topic? Barefoot running. Oh, yes. And we should say that uh, when we say barefoot, that there's a range of how bare your foot is. It can be completely bare. Some, some people just go completely foot naked. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are these, uh, I don't know what you call them. They're, they're about as minimal as you can get. It's almost like a little tire flat, like you were saying. It's called minimalist shoes. Yeah. And it's just a really thin rubber sandal essentially. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that for running, but what I've mainly seen those for is just people saying, just go out and be in the world in these things. Oh, okay. So are you talking about the sandal ones that like yeah. go in between your, your big toe and the next toe's little webbing? Yeah, it's just like a shoestring and a okay. piece of rubber. They also came up with shoes, shoes right. that are, are called minimalist shoes. There's much more to them than what you just described. Yeah, that you know, they wrap around your the top of your foot. Yeah. But have a similar footbed. That shoe you d- you just mentioned is like the uh Tam- Tara Taramara Indian, uh, what oh, really? they wear. Like the little sandal? Yeah, but they make theirs out of old tires. Okay. Which is even cooler, you know? Totally. Um, so so there is like different degrees of it. And the reason that people started wearing things, I think uh, the company Vibram made a sock with some tread on the bottom. Yeah, I remember I got in trouble for bagging on those years ago. Five-toed sock? Yeah, I made fun of those, and people wrote in that were had their feelings hurt. Yes, I'll bet those same people do not wear those anymore. I bet you're right. <laughs> um, I remember going to a Cindy Lauper concert with Yumi, mm-hmm. and there was a couple there, and they were wearing matching Vibram shoes, sock shoes, whatever, minimalist shoes. And were you guys like, hey, we should do that? I will never forget them. <laughs> yeah. They looked like they could... Like they were going to at any minute just just kind of go from walking on their feet to just walking on their hands and then back on their feet and then back (laughs) on their hands. That's just what they looked like for some reason because they weren't wearing workout gear or anything. This is like just the shoes they were wearing out there in the world because a lot of people say like, no, don't just do this for running. Like do this for life basically. Yeah. I mean I love – I've always been a barefoot person. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was a kid, I would play a lot in bare feet and always had really tough – Footbeds, mm-hmm. natural footbeds. What do you call those? Just uh, soles of your feet. Yeah, sure. They're always pretty tough and still are. Yeah, 
Well, Daniel Lieberman, the paleoanthropologist, did another study recently, I think mm-hmm. in 2019, and he found that, um, I guess, oh, by the way, he won an Ig Nobel Prize for figuring out why pregnant women don't tip over. Oh, really? Back in like 2009, yeah. Wow, what was the answer? <sighs> the way that they lean backward uh-huh. and there's additional lumbar support in their lower back. Gotcha. As a, and I think maybe the way the fetus lays, it per, it's all like just kind of that's how we've evolved to not fall over basically. Right. But this more recent um, work, he went to Kenya and he studied uh, native Kenyans who basically live their lives without wearing shoes. Yeah. He studied Americans who have worn shoes their whole life. And then he studied Americans who wore shoes and then made the transition over to barefoot running. Right. And he found that the Kenyan um, uh, subjects all had deep calluses on their feet. Mm -hmm. So he thought that they would not be as sensitive. And he found that that's actually not the case, that they're much better off because they have these calluses. So their feet are naturally prevented from things like cuts and punctures and Mm -hmm. things like that because they're just tougher on the bottom. Right. But the calluses don't cover up their nerve endings. So there's still feedback coming from the ground, but the feet are also protected by the calluses, which is kind of surprising from what I understand. Right. And his buddy, uh, the anthropologist, Brian Richmond, who he worked with, I think he was from GW mm-hmm. University, he, he's, he was talking about the arch of the foot and those ligaments. And he says those things stretch and contract every time you hit the ground. And that allows the calf muscle to act as a spring. Yes. So that's what I've seen. Barefoot running, um, the, one of the reasons why they say, like, no, it's just healthier and less injury prone is because – of that, the arch of your foot acting as a spring, mm-hmm. and then your Achilles heel and your calf muscle acting as a shock absorber. Right. But that these are the things that come into play when you run on the ball of your foot or your midfoot. Right. When you heel strike, you are offloading that same force, maybe even more force, but the full weight of your body coming down on your heel. That doesn't utilize the calf or the Achilles tendon. Right. It sends this shock wave of force back upward to your knees Mm -hmm. and your hips, and that that is why um, heel striking is so bad for you. Right. Whereas um, running on the ball of your feet is probably better, or your midfoot is probably much better, because that that force is distributed to the right places, in other words. Yeah, and the uh, skeptics will say, you know, you you go out there and start running barefoot, you're going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And then adherents will say, that's because you just— throw your shoes in the trash and go out and do your workout routine. Right. It's like, if you want to do this, you got to really wade into this water very slowly. Yeah. And they recommend even, which is sounds kind of silly, but they recommend doing something you probably do every day anyway, which is walking around your house with no shoes on. If you're a normal human being, yes. <laughs> and then, um, then start walking outside on different terrains, just walking without shoes soft, on. Soft terrains first. Yeah, you know, like dirt or grass mm-hmm. or something. Then mm-hmm. working your way up to pavement and asphalt and stuff like that. And then broken flaming glass. <laughs> That's right. That's the where you final, end up. <laughs> final one. But they say you really got to work into it. Otherwise, like any radical new thing you're going to do to your body, you can't just shock it. Yeah, and not just because of your feet and the bottoms of your feet either. Um Yumi tried the New Balance Minimalist years and years ago. Oh, yeah? Maybe 2011 or something like that. As a runner? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And she had read, like, I think the people who sold her the shoes even told her, like, Just don't get out do, there and do it. No, they said oh, the no. opposite. <laughs> okay. They're like, do not do your normal run. Like, do a third of it, I think is what they said. And Yumi's like, nuts to that, and did her normal run, maybe even then some. 
And I thought she may have been crippled for life after Really? Yes, because she was used to heel striking because she'd been running like everybody else right. this whole time. And all of a sudden, she's running on the balls of her feet, not even her midfoot, the balls of her feet. So all that stuff is getting moved into the calf muscles, which just get overloaded with this workout and just laid her up for seriously like about five days. She could not run. She was so sore. Could she walk or was she? Barely. Wow. Barely. Like the kind where, you know, have, have your muscles ever been so sore that you feel like flu-like almost? Mm -hmm. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> like it was bad news. And she's wow. like, you should try this. And I'm like, not on your life. <laughs> no way. That's very Yumi-like. Like, yeah, they can't tell me what to do. Right, yeah. <laughs> they don't know me. They must just be talking about themselves. That's great. And there is another study. I think this was even from kind of late last year that we found an outside magazine from uh, a study that was in the Journal of Applied Physiology from Peter Weyand and his biomechanics group at SMU. That's Southern Methodist. I think there's some kind of a horse mascot. The Stallions? No, I just I remember. I mean, they were they didn't. Well, never mind. The Ponies? Do we really want to talk college football? The uh, Well, I mean, it could apply Everyone to like volleyball bored. or high lie. It doesn't just have to be football. Well, that's true. That was some kind of a horse. You are so SEC. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so uh, we should point out that when you're doing these kind of studies, there are a couple of ways to go about it. There's a uh, something called a force measuring treadmill or a force plate that's mm -hmm. kind of installed on the ground. Mm -hmm. And you run on it, and it really measures and can show a – you know, a graph on a curve or a curve on a graph on where your foot is exactly striking and what that means. Right. It shows the force, not not just like where like in space. It's more like it tracks the force yeah. over time, I think. Yeah. So this is how they're doing all this. They're not just kind of guessing by watching people. Right. This is Lieberman specifically, I think, too. That's right. And by the way, there's somebody knocking somewhere in this building. We're trying to get to the bottom of it. Jerry's walking around with a Machete, <laughs> right? But uh, it's out for blood. We, we're we're hoping we can get it out in the edit. But if you hear some knocking, we're really sorry. But I think you'll agree with us in this episode. It sincerely doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, there's probably like half of the normal amount of people listening at this point. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so back to this study. They're using uh, they use this treadmill and these force plates, mm -hmm. and uh, what they are determine uh, determining is something called the loading rate. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is how quickly that force is applied. Yeah, and what they found is that when your heel or the f the ball of your foot or wherever your foot strikes, there's like this initial force that is transferred through your body from the ground hitting, from your foot hitting the ground. Right, which will show up as a spike on this graph. Right, uh, depending on how quick that force is transferred. That's that loading rate, right? And then what follows is the rest of your body weight at its reaching its lowest point in your stride, and then you go back up, mm -hmm. you push off of the ground, and you start all over again. That's like one stride, and that's what these force plates measure. Yeah. But what they found is when you run on the ball or midfoot, mm -hmm. when that's what touches the ground, yeah. that actually distributes and kind of prolongs that force long enough that it actually merges with that second uh, that second introduction of force, the rest of your body weight, into basically one force curve. Yeah. I think for a while they looked at this spike, and when they ran on the, the midfoot, 
that spike was gone. But what they determined was it's not gone at all. Mm -hmm. It is, like you said, just kind of covered up and merged with the other. But that was that early evidence from 2010 that Lieberman came out with that supported Christopher McDougall's born-to-run hypothesis. That's right. The spike wasn't there when you run barefoot. It is there when you run in shoes because you're heel striking. Right. This leaves a really important question, though, Chuck, because so this new this new research is basically saying like all that stuff that's not the case anymore. We just change our loading rate depending, but it's ultimately the same amount of force getting transferred for, through the body, right? Depending on what kind of shoe protection you're wearing. But I think what what's weird to me and what I didn't understand with this new new research is if it's going to different places, if that shock is being absorbed by your Achilles tendon and your calf right. rather than your knees and hips, who cares if the loading rate is the same? Right. Um, it's going to different parts of your body, and some parts are designed to handle um, that shock better than others. So, is that what they're saying? Like uh, you may be less likely to get injured because the parts of your legs that are affected are more capable of handling it? Yeah, that when you run barefoot because you're running on your forefoot or your midfoot right. and you're distributing that force to your calf and your Achilles tendon, that, that yeah, that you're less likely to get injured because of that, because right. you're taking that, that stress off of your knees and hips. My question is this. Wouldn't you be better off then running in shoes but hitting your forefoot or midfoot? Uh, best of both worlds, in other words. Right. It's Which is probably. I mean, that's what I do. Right. So, I mean, of course, it's the, the you're, right You're doing great. Go. But I, I think that that must be the case. But I didn't see anything where it's like this is definitive. Still, after yeah. 10 years of this being a huge trend, of a lot of studies being done, a lot of people who are very smart have thought about this. It's still not definitive what the best way to run is. And I think we go back to me, which is to not run <laughs> right, and just walk. Right. But I think the lasting thing that I saw from this is that so if you like are a track coach – they frequently now prescribe um, running barefoot in the grass as a cool down after oh, really? a race. Yeah. And then the other thing you'll see too is the, ch- the era of the very chunky heel running shoe has kind of gone because of this. Yeah, it feels like they've gotten a little leaner, haven't they? They have because when you have a chunky heel, mm-hmm. what's called your shoe drop, which is the ratio of um, where your heel lands in relation to the front of your foot. Mm-hmm. So like in the higher the, the shoe drop, the thicker, the chunkier your heel is. Yeah. It's impossible not to heel strike. So what they figured out is if you kind of drop that heel down mm-hmm. more in line with the front of your foot, you can run on the front of your foot a lot more easily and not heel strike in your shoes. Yeah, those big tall heeled uh, running shoes too were always made me more susceptible to an ankle turn mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're, you're kind of up there. You are. It's kind of like walking in high heels or something. I wouldn't know about that. But you can imagine. Sure. Okay. You got anything else? Nothing. So that's barefoot running. It sounds like the jury's still out, everybody. But if you do get into barefoot running, do it slowly. That's learn right. the Learn the lesson from Yumi. That's right. Uh, and since I said that, it's time for Listener Mail. Hey, guys. On the Safe Cracking episode, I was reminded of a track by a Bristol-based music producer in the UK, Tricky. We know Tricky. Sure. I think you got to explain that to us. Right. Come on. Everybody knows Tricky's from Bristol-based. Which featured on an album he released called Product of the Environment. It was a series of interviews with old-school London gangsters from the Cray Twins era. Oh, wow. Telling their stories of lives of crime over trip-hop beats. That sounds awesome. 
Uh, one of these was Bernie Lee, who learned his safe-cracking trade while in prison. His favorite technique was to blow the doors off with nitroglycerin, which you touched on the episode, but not in that context. Uh, check it out here. Insert hyperlink. <laughs> also, <laughs> MH370, at the end of the episode, uh, the second one, Josh questioned the ability to tag all pieces of a plane uh, with its call sign, speculating on the existence of such tech. Chuck said that was the future. Well, it's actually the present. What? Uh, smart water, not the bottle drinking water, is a technology that encodes detailed info of a thing within water and then is applied to said thing, allowing uh, that info to be read later on if necessary. The only problem? It evaporates. <laughs> It's apparently quite robust, so it uh, doesn't simply wash off or whatever. But I don't have first-hand experience, so can't be exactly sure how it uh, works or how it's read. Uh, BT OpenReach, the UK's main telecom network provider, uses it to tag the copper wires that make up the network as a deterrent following a spate of copper theft about seven years ago. Interesting. I feel like I'm losing my mind right now. That's from uh, Liam. He says, big up. Thanks, Liam. Here in the States, we say big ups. That's right. They dropped the S there. Yeah. Aluminium. <laughs> Was that in this episode? I know. Can you believe that This we... might be the longest episode we've ever done. <laughs> on nothing. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want to get in touch with us like Liam did, you can go on to stuffyoushouldknow.com. Uh, and who knows what's there these days. Instead, why don't you just send us an email? Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today.